Hello and welcome to American Riviera Bank's Regional Pulse. This is Laurel Sykes, Executive Vice President and Chief Risk Officer for the bank. Today my guest is Vicki Johnson, Deputy District Attorney from the Santa Barbara County District Attorney's Office. Welcome, Vicki. Thank you. Good to be here. And today we're going to be discussing a couple of different things. Um, you may not be aware, but June is National Elder Abuse Awareness Month. We're going to be doing this session in two parts. Uh, part one is going to be um, highlighting the scams. And in part two, we're going to talk about chronic victimization and also what you can do if you or a loved one has fallen prey to scams. We're going to give you some resources, some phone numbers to contact, um, some places to go for more information, and we're hoping this is going to be really helpful. So first, I'd like to start by talking a little bit with Vicki about the common scams that she is seeing. Um, Vicki, tell me a little bit about how you come into contact with victims here in Santa Barbara County. Sure. So my job with the district attorney's office at this point in time, I'm actually a retired DA, but I'm working part-time. And my job is to educate the community about scams that are targeting our, our citizens, and particularly seniors. So I have a fraud hotline, and I get phone calls every week about people who either have been scammed, are worried about a family member who has been scammed, or who have gotten that suspicious phone call or letter and they're not quite sure what to do. So I feel like I have my finger on the pulse of what is happening in this particular community. And in addition to that, I work with law enforcement. And for example, if the sheriff's department gets a phone call or gets a visit from somebody who has been scammed, they will send that person to me because they know that I can hopefully provide some resources, but more importantly, I now know what kinds of scams are targeting our community. That's great, and we're so fortunate to have you here in the community supporting all of our residents uh, in these scams. How are people becoming aware of the hotline and how to get resources with the district attorney's office? Well, I go out and do presentations in the community. I go to a lot of senior facilities, senior clubs, senior residences, and I give presentations about scams that are targeting our community. Um, I also do a weekly radio show called Scam Squad, and I target the latest scams that I'm hearing about that are happening here in Santa Barbara. And of course, at the end of every show, I give my fraud hotline so that people know to call. In addition, we have a fraud hotline posted on our website for the Santa Barbara County District Attorney's Office. And Vicki, you and I have known each other for many, many years. Uh, one of the, the ways that I come into contact with you on a regular basis is our group, the Central Coast Scams Against Seniors. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the group, uh, who makes it up, and, and what the focus is of that particular group? Yes, absolutely. This is a very important uh, group in the South Coast. So this all started when FBI victim witness advocate Debbie Dean, who is an amazing woman, and she lectures all over the country about scams, she approached me and she said, I think we need to put together a group, a working group that will educate the people involved with scams in our community, the people that do work with seniors, that will educate those people about what's happening with seniors in our community, with the scams that are happening in our community, and more than just uh, educate them, 
talk about what we can do, what resources we can bring to help these victims. So that's how the group started. We called ourselves the FBI Scams Working Group. And uh, the name pretty much hasn't changed. We haven't found a better name. But we are comprised from agencies in the tri-counties, Ventura, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo. We meet quarterly. We always have a speaker. We talk about the things that we are seeing in our community. And Debbie is always wonderful about telling us about assets and resources that we can use in order to help our scam victims. That's fantastic. So Vicki, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the group is the broad representation we have all the way from San Luis Obispo County to Ventura County and in between here in Santa Barbara. How about if we talk to our listeners a little bit about the types of groups that are represented on that uh, working group and um, where they've come from? Absolutely. So we have a wide variety of um, organizations and groups, all of them having something to do with providing services to seniors. We have law enforcement, everybody from the FBI to the police department to the sheriff's department. We have the ombudsman from all three counties. We have banks involved because we know they are often first-line responders when a client comes in and obviously is sending money to a scammer. We have the Family Service Agency, Adult Protective Services, the Better Business Bureau. So truly a wide range of folks that are working to help seniors in our community. That's great. And Vicki, one of the things that we do with these groups is we talk about common scams. And it seems like year after year, it never fails. We continue to hear scams regarding sweepstakes and lotteries and people falling prey to sending money away and then never seeing it back. Recently, we we had a case that we were working with someone um, that had fallen uh, prey to a potential sweepstakes scam, um, or even worse, um, having their their name entered into a marketing campaign um, to be hit by other types of scams. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about in part two of this session is chronic victimization, because once you have um, been out there and fallen prey to something, you typically will end up on a list And then you get a phone call from every scammer down the road um, in the future. And one of the things that's been really um, interesting about this is that when that mail starts coming, when when the the cases start piling up um, and you're sending $5 to this group and $5 to that group or $25 to enter a lottery or um, maybe find out if you've won a lottery, um, it can add up. And I think that in in this particular case, we were able to intervene because, as you said, banks can be the first responder. They know their client. And when their client is coming in asking questions or wanting to send money, it's an opportune time for us to intervene and say, you know, what is is the the money going to be used for? Um, A lot of times they've been um, primed by the fraudster to say that it's a family matter or it's a personal matter and it's not something that is your business. Um, and fortunately, all the scammers tend to use the same sort of language when they prompt, you know, a victim to um, say no to their bank. And our, our frontline staff are trained in those red flags about what to watch for. Things like it's a private matter or it's not their business. We oftentimes hear family friend when somebody is sending money overseas. Um, and that's usually a really good indicator that things are going on. But like I said, that the thing that really 
uh, upsets me is once you have sent your money away and your personal information to a scammer like this, then instantly you are on a list and someone else is calling you. Um, I know when you and I have discussed previously um, some of these sweepstakes and lottery scams, you've actually heard firsthand from victims calling into your scam hotline. Uh, so how about if you tell our listeners a little bit about the common trends in these scams and what you're hearing? Absolutely. Well, I have a recent example. Uh, this was a retired businessman, very smart, and right now I want to dispel the myth that scam victims are often elderly, uneducated, um, susceptible somehow to fraud, um, don't have a wide support group. I am finding from my fraud hotline that often the people that get victimized are very educated. They are often uh, people that have had professional lives. They can be doctors, lawyers, businessmen, nurses. I've had phone calls from all of the above. So this particular gentleman was a retired businessman. He'd been very successful, but he fell victim to the sweepstakes scam. He got a solicitation telling him that he had won the sweepstakes, millions and millions of dollars. All he needed to do was pay the taxes, and then he would collect all this money. So he did that. He unfortunately fell for it, and he paid a large amount of money in, quote, taxes in order to collect his winnings. But, of course, the winnings didn't come. It went on and on from there. There were all kinds of other fees and costs, security fees, insurance fees, fees to convey the money safely to him. This went on and on for months, months and months. And, of course, his family members became very concerned because he was draining his retirement account the money that he was going to be living on in the future, both he and his wife, was starting to get less and less. So a member of our community, somebody that works a lot with seniors, heard about this, and she went out and talked to this gentleman, could not convince him that he was in the hands of a scammer. Here are the people that tried to convince him. His parish priest friends from his church, family members, adult protective services went out and tried to talk to him and explain to him what was going on. Somebody from the police department, somebody from the district attorney's office, he would listen to nobody. He was certain that he was going to win big. But even more than that, this scammer has, had become his closest friend, his best pal somebody that talked to him every day. Now, this was a retired gentleman who had had a very busy life in his work, and clearly he was missing that. He was missing the, the daily contacts. So he became completely addicted to this scammer. He wouldn't stop, and he couldn't stop. It was an addiction. And Vicki, I remember one of the other things um, that we had discussed previously on this case was the unintended consequences of giving up that much money. Um, and you had mentioned something that I hadn't even considered, which was having to pay uh, penalties when you are withdrawing from that retirement fund. So it, it compounds the issue even further. Absolutely. And I remember at, uh, when I first joined American Riviera Bank, we had another sweepstakes um, case going on. And to your point, several people had been to meet with a husband and wife and they were convinced they won 
um, I think it was $3 million in two Mercedes-Benz or maybe it was BMWs. Um, but initially, they had been telling the branch that uh, they were sending money to a family friend in Mexico, that they were purchasing real estate in Florida. And because they were um, very successful uh, property owners and had multifamily uh, residences that they were leasing out, no one thought much of it until it continued to happen and the funds started to dwindle, as you mentioned. And um, it was a newer relationship to the bank, not someone that had been with us for a long, long time, but still somebody that we were used to seeing come into the, the, the bank. And you mentioned on our um, working group, our SCAMS working group, um, Adult Protective Services and the FBI and, and Sheriff's Office. And one of the things that I've found so helpful in our communities where we live are um, the support that we have from all of law enforcement. And in this particular case, um, it had been reported to Adult Protective Services, you know, as a bank, we're required to report any type of, um, of elder financial abuse that we see. And Adult Protective Services is at a loss sometimes because if the victim refuses assistance or says they know what they're doing, there's nothing more that can be done at that point. Um, and we'd also been working with the local sheriff's office. And um, this was a newer uh, person in the sheriff's department that was just fit to be tied that this was going on, that the money was dwindling out of the account and actually went on site to sit with the client um, at their home. And at that time, while the sheriff was in their home, the phone rang and it was the scammer. As you mentioned, they, they're calling every day. They're keeping you on the hook. Um, they're trying to convince you um, what's going on. Um, lots of questions about who have you told and who are you reporting to. And in that case, the, the, the cars, the BMWs were supposed to be delivered that very day. And even at that, they were so convinced that the, the cars were going to be delivered and the money was going to come or, or maybe not convinced, but they had to believe it was true because otherwise it meant that they had lost all of this money and it wasn't going to return. Um, they, they had the sheriff leave and unfortunately, um, they, um, believed that we had been the ones to report them. There's a lot of mandatory reporters in the state of California under, under, um, California law. Um, so it could be anyone. Um, it is kept confidential. Whoever does report to adult protective services, but because they believed it was uh, the bank that had been involved, they closed their accounts with us. So suddenly we were at a loss to help them at all. They walked away with a cashier's check after dwindling so many, you know, tens of thousands of dollars out of their account. Um, and lo and behold, find out later that the same thing had happened at their prior um, banking institution and um, they closed their account there for the same reason. One of our biggest frustrations and the reason we rely so heavily on law enforcement as a bank is because under privacy laws, there's not a lot that can be done from bank to bank um, to, to share customer information. And it makes complete and total sense, um, but it means that those partnerships with law enforcement are that much more um, important. One of the other cases that you had spoken with me about uh, previously um, had to do with people falling prey um, to similar things, imposter scams, right? Where they're, they're getting email communications from people they believe to be a friend or a family member or maybe it's um, somebody that, that is a friend or family member of someone they know. And what these fraudsters are doing is they're um, compromising somebody's email account. They're getting in there. They're looking for the words money or bank, or they're looking for friends and travel. 
and they're using that information to carefully craft asks for money. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some of those types of scams that you've heard through your resources? Yes, absolutely. So I am getting uh, frequent calls about what I call the email scam. And just to give a recent example, and this came from a retired Superior Court judge here in Santa Barbara County. He called me up and he said, Vicki, um, I think I might have been in the clutches of a scammer. And I said, well, okay, tell me what happened. Now, this is a very, very smart, educated man. He said, well, I'm part of a neighborhood group, and the president of our neighborhood group sent me an email. At least that's who I thought it was. But she presented herself as this woman that I knew as being part of the group. She sent me an email saying, um, Judge, I'm, I'm out of town, and I need to quickly get a gift to this particular person. And I can't do it. Could you please do it for me? And as soon as I get back into Santa Barbara, I will pay you right back. What I'd like you to do is go down and buy some gift cards, $500 worth of gift cards. And then you can send them off to a, a person that I'm going to tell you about. Well, this was a, a very unusual request by this particular person, but he didn't have any reason to doubt that it was the person he thought it was, but he thought, well, I just, in the abundance of caution, I better ask some probing questions here. So he said to the scammer, just so I know that you are who you say you are, could you please tell me one person that we both know in common? The scammer named the judge's daughter. So how did the scammer know that? Well, the scammer was already into his email account. He could see the emails coming and going. Uh, social media is a huge help to scammers these days. There's so much information out there on social media. If you want to find out about a person, simply Google them or get on their Facebook, and you will find out everything that you need to know to present yourself as somebody that knows this person or knows somebody who knows this person. Well, thankfully, the judge was still a little bit suspicious because gift cards, that's the big tip-off. That's the big red flag. As soon as somebody asks you to buy gift cards, you are in the hands of a scammer 100%. So he did what was the very smart thing to do. He picked up the phone and he called this woman who was the head of his homeowners association and said to her, hey, did you just send me an email asking me to buy a gift card? And she went, no way, I would never do that. That's when he gave me a call and said, guess what just happened to me? So thankfully, he was able to foil the attempts of the a scammer to get money out of him. But many people have been fooled because they do think that they are communicating with a friend of theirs or a friend of a friend. And sometimes the scammer is calling to give this very helpful information. They will pose as a friend and they'll say, hey, there is this government grant that you can apply for. And they'll make up some phony pretense about why this person qualifies for this government grant. And they'll always say, I applied for it and I just got $10,000. You can do it too. And of course, once you apply, you are informed that, well, in order to get this grant money, you have to pay a fee. 
So it is obviously a scam. But it's scary how close these scammers can get to us through our email accounts, through Facebook accounts, through any kind of social media that we're involved with. That's a really good point, Vicki. And um, I think we've all seen um, social media requests or or notes from friends saying, I've been hacked, please don't respond. Um, really interesting um, for me personally, on Facebook one day, I received a note through Messenger from someone that I used to work with. Um, and it wasn't surprising because that person had reached out to me in the past. Um, but they started with the hook, right? Are you online? Hi, how are you? How's the family been? And it wasn't your typical... Um, you know, can you talk or some of the other indicators that I've heard in the past. And, you know, we get busy. We all get busy. And this is something that I've, you know, worked on for years and years of my professional life. And I still responded to this person saying, I'm doing well, thanks. Um, how's everything at the bank? And I don't, I didn't share anything personal, but you could tell the instant that that person had me on the hook, they were on the other line. And one of the comments was, I'm not sure if you've heard about the lottery and how much it's up right now, some sort of take on Powerball or something like that. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've been engaging with this person. And I was able to delete the account and delete the contact and report it to Facebook. Um, but you you can easily be scammed. And I think one of the things that um, I'm most hopeful about is when I hear cases of the education working where people are aware of the word gift card or can you withdraw cash or any sort of pay to enter um, type of type of scam. I think the education is working because as soon as those tips come across, we're seeing more and more people that are calling us with, hey, I avoided this instead of, hey, I fell prey to this. And I think um, education awareness is, is about the only Absolutely. thing we can do. Yeah, it is the only thing. And I'm hearing the same thing. I'm so happy now that I get more phone calls from people telling me, hey, I avoided this scam. I had listened to you on the radio. I've seen one of your presentations, and I knew this was a scam. But the thing that I find the most um, interesting and, and just endearing, I have a fraud hotline, so I often get phone calls, and I can't always get back to them right away because I'm only in the office two days a week. But I will call back. I call back every single person who leaves me a message and I love it when I call a senior who has left a message and the phone will ring and ring and eventually the voice message machine will come on and I will start to leave a message. Hello, this is Vicki Johnson with the district attorney's office. I'm returning your phone call. And then the person will pick up and he or she will say, I am doing exactly what you told me. I don't pick up my phone unless I recognize the number or the person because I want to stay safe from scammers. And that's what you've told us to do. And I'm so thrilled when I hear that, because what we are doing then is working. That's, that's great to hear. I know that um, what's also interesting is when we're doing these types of presentations or when we're speaking with a victim or the victim's family members, um, a lot of times they will want to go after the bad guy. And unfortunately, when you don't know who the perpetrator is, when it's somebody overseas or somebody online um, or a sweepstakes scam or anything, you don't know who it is to be able to report them to the police and go after them. Um, we did a, a blog post um, a little while back that talked about different resources that you can report to, including the Federal Trade Commission, 
Um, the FBI has a website um, for IC3 where you can report these scams. Um, and I think in addition to awareness and education, report, 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 even if it's not going to be successful in getting your own money back, because after enough cases, after enough information, and after enough dollar amount, um, a lot of times they can deck resources against it and actually be successful in prosecuting. Fraud complaints submitted by older Americans in California, Texas, Florida, and New York in 2021 had losses totaling about $362 million reported just through those, those states. They did note in those states, the top common scams were confidence and romance scams, um, business email compromise or email account compromise, like we just discussed, and tech support scams, and that those were responsible for the greatest losses. As you can imagine, uh, with, with those types of scams, you're probably not in contact with who the actual person is on the other end, so it does become difficult. There's also been uh, common investment scams. You know, invest in me or buy gold and, and it'll come back to you now. But again, I, I get asked, do they ever get in trouble? Do I ever get my money back? Unfortunately, in a case where someone has been defrauded and they have willingly sent the money, there's nothing really that can be done to recover those funds except to report it and try to be a part of a bigger case to get the money back. Absolutely. Reporting is so essential. And this is something that the people that I work with in the FBI, FBI agents, always tell me, Vicki, have your victims report. Because if you report to ic3.gov, that is a data bank. And what people need to understand is that these scammers do not live here in the United States. These scammers live in places like Nigeria, India, Canada, Jamaica. That's where these scams originate. So our local law enforcement has no ability to go to those countries, investigate, um, find these folks, prosecute. But the FBI creates data banks. And so if you report what happened to you, to IC3, that goes into a big data bank. And as soon as the FBI has enough information from various sources in that data bank, they can put together a task force. And it's usually a large task force involving a lot of federal agencies and also law enforcement in the other jurisdiction who will cooperate with them in finding these scammers. And another thing that people really need to understand, this is big business. We're not talking about mom and pop scams. We are talking about huge businesses. Think corporations. This is a multi-billion dollar industry that is worldwide, originating out of big buildings. For example, in India, five-store buildings where each floor is devoted to a different kind of scam. So it is very difficult to track these people down, but law enforcement does and they will, and it's good for you to be giving that information to help them in their effort. And also, there is a slim chance that you will get some money back. I do see cases where that has happened. And I think that's an important thing as bankers to educate the population as well. How, how is, what is the safest way to send money? And it's interesting, um, a lot of people feel safer with cash, but cash is not recoverable. Um, once cash is given away, unless it's part of one of those larger scale, um, you know, cases that that recovery is not going to happen. If you have 
um, given somebody your debit card information though, and they've used it against your will, or you've figured out that it's a scam and you've tried to um, repeal their, their authorization to your account, you actually can report those types of incidences and, and um, be subject to receiving some of that money back. Um, the FBI also has a recovery asset team that was established in early 2018, and it, it's helping to streamline the communication with financial institutions to, to try and uh, freeze funds for victims and maybe get those monies back. Um, so they're the liaison between the banks um, and uh, law enforcement so that maybe we can be successful. Um, I think the most recent data I saw from uh, the RAT team was from July 2020 to June 2021. Um, IC3's RAT team processed 1,412 complaints with a total loss of $389 million. And RAT was able to successfully freeze $279 million of those funds from the total reported loss. So that's a success rate of 72%. And again, um, it, it's, it doesn't happen with everyone, but I think the really important thing is to involve law enforcement. Don't be embarrassed that you've fallen prey because Absolutely. it's happened to all of us because the only way you're going to see any of that money is if you act quickly. That's right. And early reporting is the key. You have to report, I think, within 72 hours, if not sooner. So as soon as you realize what has happened, you've been scammed, make the report. And then just a little quick note to our listeners now, if you're interested in hearing more about the RAT team or the U.S. Um, Department of Justice, um, Elder Justice Group, and their success stories, along with links to their annual reports so you can read about some of these successes, we did publish those in our blog um, on World Elder Abuse Awareness Day on June the 15th. So you can take a look there for some more resources. Wonderful. I think the last uh, scam that I'd like to highlight with our time today is um, something that I see happening at all ages. It's not just targeted to um, our elder population, but it seems to be the most common that we're hearing about, that we're seeing about, and the easiest way for a loved one to lose money. And it's the romance scams. Um, or they used to call them the sweetheart scams, but it seems to be coming even more and more um, common given that we've been in this COVID environment for the last several years. And there's been um, a loss of ability to get out there and meet people. And um, the online dating scene is higher than ever. So Vicki, would you tell our listeners a little bit about these types of scams and maybe share a case or two so they know what to watch for? Yes, absolutely. This is one of the most rampant scams right now. I'm getting several phone calls about victims who have fallen for these scams and also one of the most dangerous because once these scammers have their hooks in you, they will take your every last dollar and you will be left destitute. And we do know of cases where people have committed suicide after realizing that they have lost every single dollar that they ever put away and that this person is a scammer. The emotional connection that these scammers are able to forge is unbelievable. They are master psychologists. They know exactly what buttons to push. They know exactly how to hook a person in. They groom the victim until they have them what they call under the ether, and they are not thinking clearly. They're not thinking with their rational brain. They're thinking with their emotions. So one of the victims that I have been in touch with came to my attention through his mother. 
this gentleman was retired and uh, this was during COVID, so he did not have a lot of ways to meet people. He had just broken up with his girlfriend. He was lonely. He went on a dating site where scammers lurk and he got caught up with this scammer who just was able to prey on his emotions. She came across as somebody who could be his soulmate. Whatever he was involved with, oh, she was involved with that too. If he professed to like murder mysteries, guess what? That was her favorite kind of literature. If he professed to like sailing, that's what she loved to do. So she became his perfect match. And of course, once she had him sucked in, she started having all kinds of problems. Ed needed money, her car broke down, or she needed some kind of a minor surgery, or she had to send money to an ailing parent. One thing after another after another, and she just started to drain his bank account. His friends and his family caught on to what was going on, and they knew he was being scammed, but they, he would not listen to them. He would not listen to friends. He would not listen to family members. His mother knew that he was being scammed, and his mother was actually the person that called me and brought this to my attention. Even his credit union understood that he was being scammed. They finally closed his account because they refused to participate in what they saw as him ruining his life and taking all of his money. So people tried to intervene to no avail. But the scammer made a big mistake. The scammer sent him a photograph of somebody that was supposedly this love interest. A photograph of this beautiful, voluptuous, sexy woman. Well, the victim decided to share this photograph with his mother just to prove that this woman was real, that this was a real person. His mother shared the photograph with me. I gave it to one of my investigators. Our investigator did a reverse image search on Google, and guess what? The photo came back as an adult film star. Now, she was not the scammer. She had a whole web page with many of her photographs, including this particular one. She was not the scammer. The scammer had simply borrowed her photograph and shipped it off to the victim uh, as proof that the love interest existed. So our investigators, two of them, went out to visit the victim, showed our victim the photograph, showed our victim the web, web page, explained to the victim, this is not the person who is scamming you. She is being scammed also by use of her photograph. Finally, the victim realized that the person that he'd been in communication with, which, by the way, was probably not even a woman. It was probably a man sitting in some internet cafe in Nigeria posing as a woman. The victim finally realized he'd been scammed, but then, insult to injury, the money he had used to send to the scammer was money from his retirement account. He was then led to the realization that he was going to have to pay taxes on this money. So as we discussed before, this was a double whammy for him. Not only did he lose all the money, he was going to have to pay taxes on the money that he had taken out of his account prematurely. That is just terrible. And it's interesting. They always have 
that next step. Oh, I can't come meet you in person because something came up or I ended up in the hospital or I'm in another country and I can't leave until I pay taxes to the government. There's all kinds of stories. And as you mentioned, looking back in hindsight, we can all take a look and say, oh, those were red flags. But when you're in the moment, um, when you're you're speaking with you know your your love interest, love of your life, maybe it's your second chance at love. Um, you are going to believe a whole lot of things, and um, I think that's probably one of the most common stories that I hear when I'm doing presentations. Um, I spoke at a, a local church group, and um, one of the women raised her hand and let us all know that she had fallen prey to um, a romance scam. Uh, fortunately for her, she never ended up giving the money because it was the red flag. But she was engaged in this for probably four to five months. As you mentioned, the grooming was going on for a long, long time. Um, and it was a younger actor. Um, she Somehow she'd gotten in touch with him and she truly believed it was the actor he was um, using. The fraudster was using the, the image of the actor um, and created you know, a, a fake persona on Facebook. They started the engagement um, online through Facebook Messenger. And as soon as they indicate, let's go offline, let's go off Facebook and start talking privately via email or whatever it is, um, that's another another red flag. But it does happen and it's just so heartbreaking. Um, and in part two of our session, we're going to be discussing a little bit about chronic victimization and um, why it's so hard to convince people they're being scammed. And we're going to hear from a loved one um, of a victim of one of these crimes and discuss that a little bit further. Um, in the meantime, uh, Vicki, I'd like to thank you so much for your time today and to thank our listeners for joining us. Um, as I mentioned, if you would like to learn more about American Riviera Bank um, or any of the resources we've talked about today, you can visit us at AmericanRiviera.Bank um, and you can do a search for the word elder and all of our resources related to elder financial abuse uh, will be there at the ready for you. But Vicki, I'd also love um, to hear from you. And again, thank you so much for joining us. But I'd love to hear from you on the phone numbers that people can call to reach your scam line um, and any resources that you might have to share with us. Absolutely. So my fraud hotline is area code 805-568-2442. And I will repeat that. 805-568-2442. And I really welcome your calls. I need to know what's going on in the community. So please don't hesitate to call. And I will return every call. And I want to thank you so much, Lauren, for having me on here today and giving me an opportunity to educate our community further. And I want to thank you so much for all the great work that your bank does to try and stop these scammers. Thank you. Thank you so much. And look forward to part two where we're going to discuss chronic victimization. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.